Welcome to the Modern CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping accounting firms achieve success. If you're an accounting firm owner who wants to learn how to provide virtual CFO services, then this podcast is for you. All right, welcome to today's podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jody and Jake, both uh, here at Summit CPA, and we are going to talk about choosing vendors and choosing suppliers and um, choosing people to really help you run your business. So um, obviously, we can help you uh, choose a CPA firm or a, a CFO company, but we want to talk about you know what we do and the process we undertake when, when doing this. And so um, I can tell you, um, Jake's probably in the same boat as me, but obviously, I was re- recently, in the last couple of years, promoted to the director role here at Summit CPA. And once that happened, once that was on my LinkedIn, I'd probably get 30 emails a day, 30 emails a week, people asking, hey, what are you guys doing for this? Who's your recruiter? Who's this? And so I kind of wanted to get with um, Jody and Jake here and talk about how we weed out those emails and find all the awesome vendors we do. So I'm going to I'm going to start with you, Jody. Just want to kind of talk about your experience with that and how um, how you look at those emails and how you look at those calls and how you choose choose all the great vendors we have. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, with uh, with technology nowadays, email, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, you name it, it seems like uh, there's a, an easy reach for vendors to, to try to, to, to get on your schedule. And so it's really, really tough to make sure that uh, you keep an open mind, but in the same part, you you, you really do your due diligence because you just don't have time to, to meet with everybody that wants to sell you something or, you know, sell you what they think is going to be the, the newest and best thing. So, you know, with, with us, you know, it's more of a, it's more of a need, you know, do we have a need, you know, for a specific product? Uh, Is there something uh, that we are currently falling short on that maybe a tool can help out with? Um, You know, Jetpack was a perfect example, you know, you know, we're falling short on process. We we looked at uh, what, what, what can be, what's a vendor out there that we think can really help out and kind of, you know, do some research and so forth. And uh, Jetpack was a perfect solution for us. Cashflow tools was another one, you know, we, spent a lot of time, you know, in our, in our processes, you know, putting together a cash flow tool for our clients, you know, a, a six to eight week, you know, Excel forecast is what, what it pretty much was. And when we first started off, it was very simple and it had a lot of errors in it. It took a lot of time and then we made it more complex, which didn't have as many errors in it, but it took a little bit longer. And then if it broke, then it was, you know, you know, how do we get it fixed? You know, that, that sort of thing. And so we thought, well, how can we, what, what can we find out there that, uh, that has the, you know, perfect solution, cash flow tools in it being that solution for us. So it, it's more of a, Hey, do we have a need? And if we have a need, then if it just happens, an email crosses my, my desk, I might take a look at it or a LinkedIn or maybe an Instagram or any kind of social media, you know, vendor I might take a look at that point if there's a need, but if there's really not a need, then I, I don't typically uh, waste my time and uh, look into, the different products out there. I know there's a ton of great products and every product has probably benefits in some way, but we just don't have the time to evaluate every single one of them, uh, which is important. But the key there is always keep an eye open, right? You know, if sure. something does come come across, you know, but we should be ready to make a switch pretty quickly, you know, after we've edited it out and uh, determine that it would definitely be of, uh, of help for us. And Jake, this is where obviously you've impressed me a lot because I know Joey talked about the cash flow tool there, but I remember prior to us taking that cash flow tool under uh, underway, we just finished an Excel tool that you guys built and spent a lot of time building. And again, we weren't um, held back by the fact that we just put all that time and energy into building that. So can you talk a little bit about that and how you um, are able to move so quickly from one tool to another? Yeah, um, you know, for me, it's I really pretty quickly 
forget about, and maybe this is a good or a bad, uh, you know, the time and investment that we've done in, uh, you know, whatever process or tool that we're using, it's more about is the justification there going forward that's going to have the return on investment. Um, you know, I think we would, you know, I always kind of value the stuff that we have done uh, leading up to that because it helped flush out a process or flush out a setup that makes, you know, makes moving to the next level a little bit easier. And we've already figured out some things. So if we didn't have that already done, it might've been a little bit tougher to make a transition to like the cash flow tool, for example, that we're, that we're using for those meetings. So I, I usually kind of think about at that point, you know, those are costs that are done. And in the past, I'm not really putting that into the analysis most of the time on if we want to move forward, it's going, you know, in the future, are we going to have the time savings? Are we going to have the cost savings going forward that, you know, that justifies, you know, going through that process again. So you're saying you're like a, a good shooting guard. You have a short memory. You don't always forget that, that last, last shot and always yeah. think on the next one. Right. Yep. Yeah, I look at the golf analogy being the best, you know, <laughs> you screw that hole up, you go to the next hole. Yeah, um, you don't build on it. Yeah, for sure. And even if it's not a screw up, even if it's, you know, you know, part the last hole, I'm still mm-hmm. looking to, you know, try to, you know, do the same or improve upon that for the next hole. So, mm-hmm. so um, Jamie, he went golf too. Just yeah, I know. I noticed you guys are talking yeah. different language yeah. than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to talk about my golf game. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I can talk about it. So it's a great time. <laughs> no, thank you. But I mean, Jody mentioned, but, you know, very similar mindset for me with looking at the different applications. It's, um, you know, at the end of the day, so sometimes it's, you know, who you know or who you have connections to. So if, if someone comes to us from like a refer- referral source or someone that we kind of already know and trust that, hey, you need to check this out, you know, that's always a good starting point that we're definitely going to, you know, spend a little bit of time taking a look at it. Um, you know, the cold emails that come in, you know, most of them uh, end up, you know, passing through the wayside um, unless, you know, they have something that definitely has already been on the radar of something that we're trying to solve for, um, or it's on the radar of something that we know uh, that we want to kind of experiment with or test with from like an automation standpoint is like a good example, you know, always kind of curious about, you know, what the, what the next thing's out there to help automate accounting from like either, you know, using bots or you know, that sort of stuff, uh, machine learning, um, you know, always kind of curious about um, blockchain stuff, you know, I think that's going to have an impact in the future on accounting. So, you know, when it's one of those, I'm kind of curious about what it's going to do, or if we have a problem uh, that we're trying to solve right now, then that's when we're kind of, you know, decide on who we want to look at. Um, and that that's usually the, probably the biggest things for me. And one of the things that I've been doing, because um, you, you don't really have to, if you encourage a salesperson at all, they're, they're going to bite on it. So, but so it's, it's kind of a fine line to walk. But one of the things I've been doing is I've actually been using my administrative assistant to keep an eye on those things because yeah, we might not be looking for that service right now, but we might someday. So what I do is I just flag those emails for them to respond to. And I kind of have a canned response that says, Hey, thanks for the email right now. We're not um, looking for this, but we might be in the future. That way that I, I don't have to like, look back in the emails and be like, oh yeah, now we're looking for someone to help us with our payroll. Let me look back at all the payroll people that have emailed us. Like the good ones will keep in, t- keep, uh, in touch with you. And so they're like, okay, that, you know, I just got an email from that and now we are looking for it. So I kind of have that set up as one of my auto things. And once I flag it, they automatically respond to um, them with a kind of a generic email that goes back to them that, yeah, we're not looking for it now, but someday we might be. And so that's been helpful for me. So I, I know you mentioned this as well, Jody, that like you want to keep a, an eye open for ones that 
you know, or keep at least in the back of your mind things that um, you might be looking for in the future. What process do you have for that so you don't forget about those vendors? Yeah, so I don't forget about the vendors. I, I don't know if it's, you know, Google is just so easy to do some Google searches to find, find vendors that would work or, you know, with as many clients as we have all across different industries, I mean, it's pretty simple to reach out to, you know, an event leadership, for instance, and, and ask for, you know, hey, what, you know, how, you know what, what kind of software are you using for your subscription-based model, e-commerce, or, or whatever it might be. You know, it's one of those things that I, I think we've got a lot of a lot of knowledge in the space or a lot of resources we can tap into to find out what, what works and what doesn't work. Um, conferences that we go to, you know, just listening, seeing what everyone else is using. Yeah, it's pretty much a key sign that, hey, if you go to a conference and you've got, uh, you know, nine out of 10 people in the room are using a specific time and billing software and they're using it for the right reason, you know, it might be something to take a look at, you know, that type of thing. Um, you know, billing software that maybe solves a need. Like if we, you know, we, we you know, built, we use bill.com for a lot of our a lot of our, you know, paying bills, you know, that type of thing for, you know, uh, U.S.-based companies, but it doesn't really work well in Canada, you know, so how, you know, what, what can we use, you know, what, what are the, our Canadian, you know, friends up there using to, to solve that same issue? They've got to be using something, they're not just doing, you know, bill paying by hand, so, you know, hey, just, you know, tapping into that network of uh, people that you know, people that you you work with to find out what uh, what works up there, you know, what works here, you know, what, you know, what's the best solution to, to, to look for, are there any other solutions so does something work better? Do you have to use something in conjunction with something else, you know, to make it work? I, I think you're always looking for that because you're always battling, you know, a couple things, you know, you know, with, with, with our industry, you're always looking hey, what can save time? And, you know, what's not going to break down all the time? You know, th those are the, the big things that I think we look for because breaking down all the time really causes a lot of internal, you know, havoc amongst the team. And uh, if it's taking too much time, then it's not going to be as profitable, right? And so you're trying to reduce things, you know, reduce, you know, both of those things. And, you know, certain, certain times, you know, you got some software that are working perfect for the longest time and all of a sudden something happens they do a revamp or whatever and and one of those things falls short and that's when it's time to either you know stay with the ship you know do we want to keep with that software and 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 write it through or do we want to look for something different uh that may uh may solve that may solve that problem whether again it's time or or um, issues with the software yeah no I, I definitely think that's a great tip and i think that even using your other vendors um you know i like i oftentimes i feel like this is the type of question we get a lot is um especially because we're so into the industry you know when we are working with an agency they'll say oh what do your clients use for their pipeline you know what are they using to track their mm -hmm. pipeline you know I'm, I'm able to give that advice obviously because we see a lot of different things but i think using your um using your tools and i think your, your point about using a lot of other people and i think that's why it's important to be in touch with your industry and i think especially in this area where the creative agency space where people are so in touch with each other anyways like it's, it'd be a shame if you weren't doing that and bouncing off each other there's a lot of good tools out there for that so um so jake i'm gonna i'm gonna throw a question to you now so once you've selected a vendor or found a vendor that you want to talk to tell me a little bit about that process where you're doing the discovery what kind of questions do you ask what kind of things are you looking for and then um do you always bounce off another vendor that you might be looking at or are you kind of a, a one and done guy um, it definitely depends on the solution we're solving for. I'd say most of the time we are talking, we are looking at a couple different options at the same time uh, from a preliminary conversation. Um, and then we're deciding on which one we feel like is going to best solve our need. And then we typically are wanting to do some sort of discovery phase with that vendor, uh, really get in there, test it out, um, you know, utilize it for, you know, two, three clients, um, you know, kind of uh, incorporate it into our process and see if it's going to solve the need that we're trying to do or if it's going to improve 
our process and efficiencies in the way that we are, are looking for. Um, so those are kind of the biggest things that I'm um, typically doing when I'm vetting out a, a vendor and a process um, is really trying to get in there and, and utilize the software pretty early on. Uh, even if that means we're doing a little bit of investment into that platform to start up front. Uh, most of the time, you know, those vendors are work, you know, work with us, you know, they're going to be, you know, I think we obviously have a lot to offer and we have a pretty good size client base that we're typically wanting to bring onto a platform. So they're, um, you know, they're motivated from that standpoint too. Um, but, um, you know, they're, that's probably the biggest thing is really getting into that discovery phase and having some help from their support to help get things up and running and testing out and, you know, kind of getting that joint, uh, you know, that joint investment um, to kind of help validate, um, you know, if we want to move forward with them. Yeah. And, and it's kind of funny because with that discovery phase, you know, often we'll go into it. Maybe it does solve the, the two issues that we're looking for, but then we find out it brings up three other issues that we didn't even, we weren't even thinking about, you know, and then we have to look and say, Hey, you know, it does solve for these two issues, but we created three, three additional issues. You know, what, what do we want to do? What's more important to us at that point staying with what we already know or popping into something, something new and uh, you know, and, and solving it again for, you know, again, another issue type of thing. So I think that discovery period is really almost a requirement. Um, and it doesn't have to be a long discovery period. It can be a month. It can be, you know, a month and a half, you know, whatever that might be. Uh, the more important that uh, software is to you, I think the more, the longer that discovery period probably needs to be just to make sure you get all the kinks out of there. Um, but I think the discovery period is, is essential. You know, when, when I was asked in a, another uh, podcast, you know, someone asked me, you know, how long does it take before you, solve a problem till we actually have that finished, you know, finished thing, you know, I, and I, I told them within four months, we typically have an issue. We figured out the issue, we vetted software, and then we've, we've solved or actually moved on from that. Would, would you say that's an exaggeration, Jake, or do you think that's pretty much in line or do you think uh, it's shorter or longer than that? I mean, I, I'd say it's a pretty good average. I mean, it really depends on what we're looking at. Some things that can be a lot longer than that. Some things that can be quicker. Um, it just, it definitely varies based on the solution that we're looking at. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think that's a pretty, pretty conservative and safe average for sure. Yeah, I think that sounds right for my end too. And I think the other, um, the other thing to remember is, is these are type of things you can negotiate, you know, that the, how long, how long of a, um, of trial period are you going to give us? Cause a lot of times they'll give you a week and you're like, okay, that's, that's just not going to cover it. Can we, right. can we get a month? Can we get two months? And then, um, the other thing I, I'd say, look for during that discovery period is what kind of support are they going to provide? You know? Okay. So during that discovery period, a lot of times they'll say, and you get, um, a representative that you have available 24 hours a day to call and get questions for. And I know one of the new tools that we're using something called auto review um their support has been amazing from day one and they we're actually like asking them questions and having them actually train some of our employees on what the process looks like and taking some of that um, leg work out that we normally do they're actually doing for us and we're watching it to make sure it's how we would do it but i think there's a lot of things during that discovery period and during those support hours that you can you can catch upon and, and really um help you out that will make the product um even get um brought in a little bit easier as well mm -hmm. So Jody, I'm going to um, flip the tables on you here a little bit. So obviously you're um, part of our sales team and you handle all the sales calls. So let's, let's um, look at this from a different direction and, and have you talked about when you're talking with someone, how can you tell when someone's prepared to talk to you? And what are the types of things that you expect when someone's interviewing a uh, CPA firm? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. So yeah, I'm a part of the sales team. So I'm the sales not team. the sales We're team. We're all the sales that, team. Uh, we make that very clear. <laughs> yeah. uh, for sure. 
Um, you know, when it's kind of a, you know, we kind of have a unique, a unique offer, you know, for us because with, with a lot of times when, when, when they, when they actually, the person actually finally reaches out and calls us or contacts us, they, they've done their due diligence for the most part. You know, they've looked at our website. Our website has everything about us plastered, even our pricing structure. So they, they know how much we cost, what we offer. You know, oftentimes they're, you know, they've, they've asked somebody, you know, they've talked to somebody that they know, maybe through a referral, maybe they heard me speaking or heard Adam speaking or you, Jamie or Jake or somebody speaking, or maybe they've been through one of our courses or web, you know, web webinars. So they've, they've got some knowledge on, on who we are and what we are. So, you know, at, at that point, we very rarely get somebody just simply calls us out of the blue that's never done any due diligence and, uh, and reaches out and talks to us. Um, you know, you know, but when, when, when they do call us, I, I think it's, you know, the, the, the big thing is, is that, you know, for, for me, I just want to hear what their issues are. You know, I, I don't want to tell them about, you know, all about us, you know, they, they can do a lot of research and then I'll talk about us a little bit, but I want to find out, Hey, are they going to be a really good fit? You know, in that first 30 minutes, I'm just simply asking them questions, finding out what, you know, what their issues are, you know, what their hot, hot spots are, what are they trying to solve, you know, and, and then kind of looking backward and saying, you know, hey, you know, can, can we can we handle that? Or can we take that from them? You know, if they're coming to us just to do a tax return, for instance, probably not going to be a good fit and probably won't even quote them at that point. But if they're coming to us to do virtual CFO services, or maybe on the auditing side, if they've done their due diligence, they're looking for like a 401k audit, you know, whatever that might be, you know, they, they've, they've done some research in it for the most part. And, and, and then when we're reaching out with them, the, the sales call, I, if you want to call the sales call is, is fairly simple because we're just simply finding out what, you know, what, what are their pain points? And then, and then, uh, and then presenting to them how we can actually solve those if, if we can. So yeah, the, the best thing that you said there, I think, is that um, people come in doing research ahead of time. And so I think when, if you're looking at it from, okay, I'm getting ready to interview a vendor, doing that research is super important because like you said, if if I hadn't done any research and I called a vendor, I'm going to spend the first 15 minutes of that call just finding out the nuts and bolts, right? And so that's um, honestly something I can do ahead of time. And so I, tr I try to do the same thing when I jump into these calls is know a little bit about the company so I can get to those parts that are really my pain points and what's going to help me. Um, so Jake, do you want to talk a little bit about the prep you do prior to talking to a vendor? Oh, yeah, from a high level, you you basically just covered it. Um, you know, it's it's taking a look at their site. You know how they're, you know, from you know most of my stuff is definitely from like a software perspective and tool perspective. So seeing how they integrate, uh, you know, what things are currently working with. You know, sometimes kind of taking a look at, um, you know, what customers they might be working with if that's applicable. Um, I might also reach out to. Um, you know, we're involved with, uh, you know, accountant community that we run and, you know, seeing as anyone else inside of theirs is already using the platform, has worked with it, you know, if they have any thoughts on it. So those are probably kind of the biggest things up front that, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out before I go into a call um, to see if it's, um, and, and a lot of times that might be even before I schedule the call, um, some of those things to see if it's going to be worth kind of moving forward. Um, so those are those are probably the biggest. Yeah, and I would think also, you know, one thing you didn't mention is when when we do when you do look at the and evaluating that software, you know, what is the you know, are they going to help through the implementation process? That's a that's a huge thing, you know, for especially for us with 130 plus clients that we have, that 
that's a long process if we've got to do it ourselves. you know, especially with a new software that not everybody knows. And we've got, you know, maybe 20 or 30 different people accessing and trying to teach them how to implement it. You know, that, that's a big undertaking. And so I think that's a, that's a huge, huge evaluation for us is, you know, Hey, is, is, you know, even though this solves, you know, X and Y that we're looking for A and B, you know, how, how is, how's our team going to be able to implement this and implement this timely? Cause you don't want it to drag on for six months or three months and have half your team on one platform, half your team on another platform. And then you, then it just doesn't work out well. So I think that implementation period, especially when evaluating up front, you know, that's the, that's, that's a huge part of it. You know, how, how involved are they going to be uh, in that setup process? Yeah, the other thing I, I like to do um, prior to jumping on one of those calls is if I can, especially if it's a technology thing, I like to see the interface. And so what I'll try to do is go on YouTube and see if someone can like at least spend five minutes, even if it's an area that we're not even going to use, but just kind of see what it looks like and see what the um, how user friendly it is. Because you can tell pretty quickly if you're jumping on a YouTube video and the guy's like, well, first you need to click this button and then you need to right click and do a flip and do all these things to get to this one screen. Like, okay, I'm not sure that interface is going to work for us. And so that's something I, I think is really, um, really helpful for me is to actually like watch the YouTube um, of someone walking through a demo on it because I think that really helps me as well and makes me come prepared into that meeting. Cool. So let's um, let's talk about again. We talked a little bit about using them um, for that uh, implementation process. Uh, let, let's talk about it. Okay. Once you've chosen a vendor um, and you get that trial period, what's what's important to do during that trial period, and is um, how do you, how do you go about approaching that trial period? And I'm going to throw this question to you, Jake, because I know you've done a lot of um, implementations over the last year. So talk about that trial period and the things you're looking for and the things you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, typically I'm trying to run through at least at a minimum three client options um, inside of that application. And how is it going to, um, you know, either add to or embed into our process, um, you know, for the for the solution we're trying to or for the problem we're trying to solve for. So, um, you know, that's the biggest I'm always trying also for that trial period, I'm trying to bring in some other users as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not just my opinion or just not just the IT department's opinion, but trying to get CFOs involved, trying to get some accountants involved, um, you know, kind of have some of those stakeholders of people who are going to be using it on an ongoing basis, making sure that, it, you know, that it's not going to cause more problems for them than it's actually solving. So um, those are probably the biggest things um, that we're, that we're doing in, in terms of a trial period. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the implementation team. Um, so I, I know the t couple implementations I've done, I've, I've pulled in different people each time and said, okay, um, accountant one, accountant two, and CFO, do you guys mind being part of implementing this for, for these two or three clients? So I think that's a, a big part of it. And then the other thing, which our clients should be really good at, and I'm not sure they always think about this, is having a project manager. All of our clients have project managers in their team and, and on their um, company. But, you know, do you use them for these internal projects? I think it's important to have one there just to make sure the project is moving forward, making sure we're hitting our goals, make sure someone's there to communicate, okay, Jake, where are we at with this step? And I think that that's something we started within the last year that I think have made our projects be implemented much smoother. Great. So um, I'm going to take a quick second here to throw our email address out there. So um, we're always looking for new topics, looking for new guests. So um, if you guys want to reach out to us, um, you can email us and we'll answer your questions or we'll um, reach out to you and get hold of you. So that email address is vcfo at summitcpa.net. Again, vcfo at summitcpa.net. So um, that's an email address to reach out to us. And we're getting pretty close on time here. So I'm going to give each of you guys a chance to kind of throw your um, final thoughts out there and then uh, we'll end the show. 
So I'll start with you, Jody. Yeah, I guess one thing that um, I would recommend, a tip that I learned from one of our clients is that when, uh, because we're always constantly looking at new new vendors and new tools, and you've got to be able to react quickly. I mean, you know, I, I remember, you know, being on a call that, uh, you know, with, with Jamie and client, he was using a software that we'd never used before, and it, it solved a problem, you know, very next day, we're using that software. You know, we've done that a few times, you know, with our with, uh, you know, with the project management software. And we also did it with uh, our our virtual office with Sococo. You know, hey, what, so what's a virtual office? Well, here's what a virtual office looks. Oh, that's gonna definitely solve the need. Boom, we make that decision and go quickly. So I think there's certain things you've gotta make, uh, you gotta be able to make a quick decision. You can't just depressed on it and, and, and relax forever. You know, the softwares typically don't have a, a huge deposit that you're going to lose right away. It's typically a month to month. Usually it's a subscription base of some sort. So, you know, I guess I would be able to move quickly. Uh, the other thing is, is that, you know, often, you know, we, we, we use so many different, we, we try so many different things. I, I, it's not a bad idea having a credit card set aside just for that software that you're, you're testing out all the time. Put it on that credit card. That way, you know, and it's not, it's not an out of sight, out of mind where it's like, you know, you're later like, oh, I forgot to cancel the subscription for for, you know, that software that we just never used or, you know, something like that. It's not a bad idea. So it kind of keeps you, you know, you know, thought, you know, you're, you're seeing that card all the time. You're seeing it, you know, you can cancel it really, really, really quick and everything's just right there. Not, not a bad, not a bad solution there. Having a separate card, whether it's a prepaid card where it just runs out after a year, or if it's an actual, truly a, a credit card, either one would be a, would find, can again, keeping top of mind all the time. Great. And take that take that one step further. I know a couple of our clients had mentioned that to us that they they'll get like a prepaid card that they'll give out for people to set up for trials and whatnot to solve for that problem. Or if they're using a solution like uh, Divi, uh, you know, you can make those virtual cards for those software providers and only put a one month, you know, um, you know, one month uh, balance on there or two month balance on there. So definitely recommend that where applicable. Definitely helps solve those headaches of finding out six months later that something's still charging that we're not using. Sure. Um, and then I, I, I definitely think that, um, you know, having the investment from, you know, software application with the onboarding and implementation is, is definitely um, uh, a very important thing. Um, I think that's probably my biggest final takeaway, especially, you know, when we're talking about, you know, 40 different people and, you know, 100 plus clients uh, moving on to something. Um, it's just, you know, trying to have that being a uh, responsibility on the team members is going to drag out that process a lot longer than what we want it to be. So having, having both, you know, having people that are invested in that implementation, both uh, some internally from an IT perspective, but then also with that, with that software applications help, you know, from their implementation team is, is uh, important to get things up and running quickly. Otherwise you lose, you lose buy-in pretty quickly if it's, four months later and you still, people aren't using it fully. Yeah. The new car smell wears off pretty, pretty quickly. And you want to make sure that people mm -hmm. like you take advantage of that time when, okay, this is a new tool. This is exciting versus, oh crap, when is this tool ever going to work for us? So mm -hmm. um, I guess my final thought um, is kind of to um, take off what Jody said is I think that if you're going to have the mentality of we're going to be willing to switch and we're going to be willing to move around and, and accept these tools as they come up, make sure it's in part of your culture and your team's aware of it. And I think that's helped us a lot is when we interview, one of the first things I tell people is, you know, if you're going to work at Summit, you have to be 
you have to love change. You have to be willing to work with change and you have to get that rush when change happens because that that's the, the part of our team culture. And if it wasn't, especially in the accounting world where a lot of people don't have that mindset, mm-hmm. we would, we would be failing over and over again. So I think we really try to think about that when we're hiring that we're, we are going to change and we are going to move forward and we're never going to just sit there and be happy with where we're at. We're always looking for the next best thing. And so we make sure we build that into our culture and I know we've done a good job with that. So mm-hmm, for sure. Awesome, guys. Well, I think this has been a great topic. I appreciate both of you guys' time, and um, we'll uh, join again soon. I'm sure we'll have, love having you on here, Jake. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Jamie. See you. Thank you. Thank you. As always. Enjoy this episode? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving modern CPA firm success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry. 